Today's scripture is from Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 20. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Morning, everybody. How are you doing today? I like how Denise said, hopefully we'll be done with the renovation by December 3rd for that celebration. We will be. We, we will be. Hope to see you all there uh, that evening on December 3rd. Uh, Today I want to tell you about uh, an inventor, John Taylor. You may not have ever heard of John Taylor before. He has invented several different things. Um, In fact, it's been estimated that the things that he has invented have been manufactured billions of times. And so there is a good chance that you have actually used one of the things that he has created, even if you've never heard of the guy before. John uh, also has, besides being an inventor, he has a hobby uh, as a horologist which means the study of time. He takes some pleasure in the study of time. And so because of his creativity in inventing things and then this interest that he has in horology, he has combined those and actually created several different clocks. One of the clocks that he has is at Cambridge University, which is where he actually went to school. And you can see it's a pretty unique clock, some lights there for the seconds. This one's about to strike three. Got this like grasshopper creature uh, at the top of it. John created this clock to kind of give some sense of the relativity of time. So not all of the seconds are exactly one second. Sometimes they speed up, sometimes they slow down. And the pendulum itself sometimes will slow down or even come to a stop altogether before it continues on. But every five minutes, it is exactly on time. John called his clock the chronophage. Chronophage is a word that comes from two Greek words. The first one is chronos, which means time, and the second one, phagein, which means to eat. It is the time eater. (laughs) Or in French, they use it uh, to say time consuming, something that kind of means time consuming. It is the time eater. What are the time eaters? in your life? What are the things that are time consuming? Electronics. Electronics. (laughs) Message done, all right, I'm just gonna leave now. It's good, yeah. 
We're in this series right now called Entrusted, a series of sermons where we're talking about the things that God has entrusted to us and how we use those things in a God-honoring way. If you're a follower of Jesus, then your life has been redeemed to God by Jesus and all of your life belongs to him then. So everything that's been given to you is something that has been entrusted to you in order to be generous with and to give to others. Now we've talked about this in terms of our treasures and our talents and our time. Uh, Time though is gonna be the one that we talk about today and it's gonna be a little bit different than the other. Treasures, for example, you can amass huge amounts of treasures and you can lose all of those treasures and then you can gain them back again. You can actually get into negative treasures by being in debt or you can give treasures or somebody else can give treasures to you and your balance is going to go up and down as a result of that. Talent is one of those things, the more you use it, the more likely it is to grow. If you exercise your talents regularly, it's likely that those talents are going to actually increase and grow in your life. Sometimes it feels like some people have all the treasure and all the talent. Or maybe sometimes it feels like we're never gonna have enough treasure or we don't have the right talents. Time, though, is a little bit different. Time is the great equalizer for all of us. You and I, we all have the same amount of time. Each day we wake up, we all get the same 24 hours. And we get a choice on how we're going to utilize that time that has been given to us. Now, not all of us have the same total length of time though, right? Sometimes maybe it feels like uh, our loved ones have left us in an unfair time too soon. My uh, grandfather, he, by the time he had reached his late 80s and going into his 90s, he had Parkinson's, he had gone blind, he couldn't really walk very well anymore, he regularly had many strokes and seizures. Uh, his body was failing him, but at that point his mind was still really strong and I remember regularly when I would see him, he'd be like, I'm, I could pass any time, I'm fine with that. I've had a good life, it's been a full life, I've had enough and it's okay, I'm not afraid of death. When it comes, it comes. Except for when he started to get closer to 95 and then all of a sudden he had this goal of hitting 100. It consumed him. He was constantly talking about how he needed to get to 100 years old. He only made it to 96, so he didn't quite make it, but that's okay. Some of us, though, we may feel like, yeah, our loved ones have an have a untimely and unfair ending to their life here. If nothing else, that is at least a reminder for us that every day that we do wake up is significant. And every day that we have, every block of 24 hours 
that we get is an opportunity. And ultimately, it becomes an opportunity to respond to God. It's an opportunity where any moment can be a divine moment in any one of our days at any time. When we recognize and respond to what God is doing, it becomes a divine moment. It becomes a holy moment in some way. We're gonna get into our passage here. We're in Ephesians, uh, the book of Ephesians. It's Paul's letter to the Ephesian church, although Paul likely meant for this letter to be circulated throughout churches in Asia Minor and actually to be passed on from generation to generation. So if you've got a Bible or if you have a device, you can pull it up to Ephesians chapter five. This is a letter that was not written to us, but it is written for us. And there's a lot that we can learn from it. So we're gonna start off in chapter five, verse 15 here. Paul says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't, be, uh, don't act thoughtlessly, yes, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. In this uh, letter that Paul is writing to the Ephesian church, primarily he's been saying, your life is important to God. Your life is very important to God, so important to God that he did everything that he could in order to redeem your life. You were far away from God, but God did everything he could to bring you near to him because he loves you and he wants to be able to call you a daughter and a son. Paul started off his letter by communicating that. Chapter one, verse seven, he says, God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He did all of this through his son, through Jesus. In fact, that's gonna end up being a, a part of the theme of the letter that all things are coming together in creation under Jesus. And because Jesus is so important and because he has redeemed your life, your life now belongs to him and should be lived for him. That is, we should be careful how we live. And Paul gives a few different ways that we should be careful about how we live. He says that we should be wise and not foolish. We should be redemptive and not wasteful. And we should be thoughtful and not thoughtless. All of these things have to do with having good judgment in life. And ultimately, what the, the Bible says about being wise or, or, or a fool, there's a big theme in the Bible about that. We see it particularly in the Proverbs. But what's reiterated over and over again is to be wise is to understand who God is and to have trust in him that he knows what is best. And that's why things like Proverbs 9 where it says the fear of the Lord is the foundation, it's the beginning of wisdom. 
and knowledge of the Holy One leads to good judgment. Foolishness is discounting God, not trusting his ways, not aligning your life with God. To be wise, though, is to be thoughtful about who he is and to understand that. Paul also says, you should be redemptive and not wasteful. That comes from verse 16 here, where it says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. This is gonna be kind of a passage or a, a verse that I wanna come back to a little bit later and spend a little more time with. But this idea of making the most of every opportunity, in Greek, it's just a couple of words. Redeem the time. Purchase the time. Buy back the time. Redeem the time. You have been redeemed by God through Jesus. And so you now have the opportunity to bring redemption to these evil days in a moment. In any moment when you bring that redemption into that time. It takes care though, and it takes wisdom, and it takes thoughtfulness in order to do that. But it takes more than that because it actually takes God. It's not something that we can do on our own. And that's the rest of the passage here, verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be filled with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. God, we believe this thing that's really remarkable as followers of Jesus. When you put your trust in Jesus, when you say, I want to be identified with Jesus, then God gives you his Holy Spirit to dwell in you, to be present with you, so that you can actually be like a temple for God, carrying the presence of God. Paul's already talked about this in the letter too. Chapter one, verse 13, he says, when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. The Holy Spirit is like earnest money, like a down payment that secures us for God that guarantees us for God and that we actually get an inheritance from God as well in his kingdom. But not only is there an inheritance, not only is there a guarantee from the Spirit, there's also power that the Spirit gives us now. Paul prays for that for the Ephesian church in chapter three. He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. These are all really good things from the spirit. We want the spirit in our lives. We want God's presence in our lives. 
We want more of God's spirit in our lives. But the problem is we're foolish. It's a human condition. Just kind of happens. We do things that limit God's spirit in our lives. Paul says, don't be filled with wine, but be filled with the spirit. We're all gonna fill our lives with something. And sometimes we lean toward those things that are going to make us feel good. These are the time eaters in our lives. We fill our time with all sorts of things. I do it, I'm willing to bet you probably do it as well. But you know what, no shame, we all, like I said, it's all, we all do things that kind of waste time, that eat some time away, no guilt. That's not what this is about. But what we have to watch out for are those things that don't only eat our time, but eat away at our souls a little bit. Don't fill our lives, we shouldn't fill our lives with those things that eat away at our souls, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit looks like a few different things here that Paul talks about in this passage. It says, being filled with the Spirit is going to affect the way of your speaking, of your singing, of your thanking, and of your submitting. He says here, uh, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In Greek, it's actually just speaking. He's saying speaking. The way that you talk and interact amongst yourselves with other people is going to be affected when you're filled with the Spirit. The words that you bring to other people are gonna be words from the Spirit, life-giving words that are in line with God's kingdom. And then he says singing. You're gonna be making music to the Lord in your hearts. Being filled with the Spirit fills you inwardly in your heart with a love and devotion and a worship to God a genuine one that is inside, internal for you. And of course, being filled with the Spirit is gonna bring thankfulness when we recognize who God is and in all of his goodness and all that he's done for us that we didn't even deserve. We're gonna turn to God and we're gonna give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the last one actually goes a verse beyond what we've been reading so far, but grammatically in Greek, it's all the same sentence. It's very connected, verse 21. He says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. When I'm filled with the Spirit, it's gonna teach me, the Spirit is gonna teach me how to submit to you. How do we live humbly together, all being submitted to Jesus, that's being filled with the Spirit. This is what Paul's writing to the church 2,000 years ago, but what is our response to it? Like I said, these words were not written to us, but they are written for us, they're relevant for us today. What is our response? And for that, I wanna go back to that key passage, that key verse, verse 16. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Or redeem the time, purchase 
the time. I grew up in Northern California uh, in small coastal towns. And when you grow up in small coastal towns, one of the things that you do is you go to the ocean, you go to the beach, and you find agates. You know what agates are? Those kind of glassy, milky rocks. Um, in my hometown area, there was even a beach called Agate Beach. And so, of course, when you go to Agate Beach, you look for agates, or really, when you go to any beach, you just look for agates. I've been doing it so much in my life that any time I'm at the ocean, my eyes automatically hone in and go down and I start looking for agates. And anytime that I'm back home visiting family, we always end up at the beach and we always end up looking for agates. I've got this picture here of my daughter, Ruby and I looking for some agates. Oh, don't make me cry, come on. This is actually our oldest daughter. So this picture was taken several years ago when she was not even two years old yet. But we're laying there in the, at the beach, looking at the rocks, our face down to those rocks, sifting through, trying to find those agates. This picture is kind of like a biblical sense of time. There are two main words in Greek that are used in the New Testament for time, chronos and kairos. Chronos is quantitative time and kairos is qualitative time. Chronos is the passing of time, that 24 hours in each day that we all have. And kairos is that moment that we're gonna remember. In the Bible, more so kairos is that moment where God is entering into chronos, where God is entering into our lives, into our time and our space. Chronos is like the rocks, the miles of rocks all along the sea. And kairos is like that agate that you find that thing you're looking for, that special one. Kronos is the thing that gets eaten up, devoured, wasted away, pulled away by the waves. And kairos is the thing that we could lose if we're only looking at the vast array of rocks and not getting down with our face in the rocks trying to find that agate. God is active in your life. God is active in time and in history and in our world. Paul says that a wise person is gonna be one who recognizes what's happening in our particular time, sees who God is, and then redeems that time for good. Something for good. A wise person brings in their own redemption and redeems a moment. And suddenly any moment, any moment at all can become a divine moment where God is recognized in that moment. Annie Dillard is an author. She wrote this, the absolute is available to everyone in every age. 
There never was a more holy age than ours and never a less. She's saying it doesn't matter if you were there 2,000 years ago with Jesus right in front of you or if you're sitting at New Hope Church 2,000 years later right now, there is just as much of an opportunity to be able to hear God, to respond to God, to see how God has entered into our time and into our space. And then to redeem that time by making the most of every moment that we have. Now what this is not is the sense of making the most of every opportunity, meaning that we need to max out all of our time. Because that's where I go in my brokenness. If I need to make the most of every opportunity, I am going to fill up my time as much as I can. That's why I wake up as early as I do because, this is just me confessing to you my brokenness, I feel guilt. I feel a lot of guilt when I sleep in because I feel like something has been eaten up. Something has been wasted away in that time when I've been resting. That is my own brokenness with this where I'm gonna look to maxing out all of my time. But that's actually me leaning into Kronos and not experiencing Kairos. Josh Pauling, he's an author, he wrote this. Living by Kairos time in a Kronos world does not come easily. It doesn't come easily for me. For Kronos is a strong and jealous God. Thus it requires thick practices that are embodied, authentic, communal, frequent, and ritualized to dethrone him. That's what we do when we come here on Sundays and we gather in this space. It's to get away from the chronos, from all of the other things that we might be able to do during this time, and to say this is a sacred time. It's embodied, it's communal, it's this moment when we come together looking for the kairos, looking for God, trying to see how God has entered into our chronos time. The other thing that we uh, might want to move toward is not understanding that kairos is a time where God is. It's seeing how God is here in our moment and intersecting with what we are doing. Yesterday I was listening to uh, the musical Into the Woods. Have you ever seen this before, Into the Woods? Nope, all right, great. You might wanna watch it. It's really clever, it's funny, uh, it's got good music in it. Anyway, I, I like it. I was listening to it yesterday and because I had all this Kairos and Kronos time in my mind, I noticed for the first time that there was a song in the musical called uh, At The Moment, At The Moment. And in the context of this song, one of the princes in the story is trying to seduce the baker's wife in the woods. And he says, some of the lyrics in this song are, any moment, big or small, is a moment 
after all. Seize the moment, skies may fall. Which what he's saying is, give in to the pleasure of this moment right now because you might not have another chance at this. Step into it. Our temptation might be to think that a Kairos moment is anything that makes us feel good. It's something that connects, connects exclusively with our pleasure. But that's not what a Kairos moment is. A Kairos moment is recognizing where God is. Seeing where God is and being attuned to what God is doing in any given moment. So how do we make the most of every opportunity then? I'm gonna open it up now and I'm looking for some feedback from you. How do you make the most of every opportunity? How do you redeem the time or how do you see that Kairos moment? Lay it on me, what do you got? Live in the moment, not outside of it. Be present or focused on what's happening right there in any particular moment. How easy is it for our minds to be swirling and to take us anywhere else other than what's happening right there? Rather than having our face in the rocks looking for that agate, we're thinking about what's happening over there with the waves or over there with the sand. Be present in the moment. Great, thank you. How else? Put the phone down. down. Let's just get real practical here, okay? (laughs) Our phones are time eaters. They are time devourers. We've talked about this a lot up here. You're probably sick of hearing me talk about it in any way, but your phone was designed for that. It is made to be a time eater eater. That is its purpose, is to eat your time. It wants to consume you, and it's okay to spend some time on your phone, but it can also eat away at our souls as well, and that's what we have to watch out for. Okay, great, thank you. What else? Know your priorities, priorities, right? Is that what I heard? Know what's actually important. That's kind of like what Paul says Here he says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand what's really important. Don't get lost in the other things. Keep the most important thing in front of you. Good, yeah. Yeah, interrupted. How many of you have ever been interrupted before? Interruptions can be frustrating, but so often an interruption is actually another person, right? What does C.S. Lewis say? C.S. Lewis says, uh, uh, children are not an interruption. Children are the most important thing. Something along those lines. But really, any interruption with another human being is is an important thing because that person who is interrupting you is important. So sometimes we have to put our other things aside to be able to focus on that person. Last one. Have an open mind, is that what I heard? Yeah, have an open mind as in be awake to what's happening. That kind of makes me think of what Paul says just prior to this passage. He says, awake, O sleeper, 
Rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. Wake up, be awake to what is happening. That's great. A lot of good responses. There are a lot of ways that we can make the most of every opportunity. Like being able to recognize that there are seasonalities to life. God created these kinds of seasons that ebb and flow in our lives that sometimes feel very life-giving and sometimes feel deadening in some ways. And yet regardless of the season that we're in, God is still there in that season and we have an opportunity to respond to God. How about giving ourselves um, space and rhythm for rest? Getting away from all of the things that eat up our times and creating a rhythm where we have silence and solitude and we have rest so that we can be attuned to God in some ways. Oh, that's great. You guys have some wonderful answers. We could go all day long, but I gotta wrap us up here. We have uh, been in this series called Entrusted. And Entrusted is all about the things that have been entrusted to us and how do we utilize those things? How do we manage them well? How do we be generous with them? Your time, the time that has been given to you, whatever that time is, is something that has been entrusted to you, just like treasures and just like talents. When we utilize our treasures, uh, we can utilize them in ways that are gonna have a really big impact at times. You think about our Advent offering that we're doing next week to support Clackamas Service Center here locally, Heart for Lebanon globally. When you give to that, it's going to have an impact. And when you utilize your talents, that is a opportunity to create incredible growth, not only for you, but also for the people that are experiencing that with you as well. Time though, is your greatest commodity. Time is the thing that when you give it, it's gonna be remembered the most because it becomes a memory that helps, in, helps to form and shape another person. It becomes one of those kairos moments. When you give your time to somebody else, you are allowing them to be able to see God in that moment. There's an opportunity for that in that moment. It's like the agate on the beach. It's the thing that's gonna be stored away in the jars of memories that we get to hang on to. And it'll be something that people will look back on and not say, that ate my time. But hopefully it'll be something where they'll say, I saw God in that moment and I was able to respond to him. Let's pray. Our loving Father, thank you God for the grace that you have for us each and every day. A new day that we have today to be able to look to you and to respond. Thank you, Jesus, for redeeming us, for giving us life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here with us. We need more of you. I pray that you'd fill us, Lord, with your spirit. Help us to be attuned to what you're doing. 
Help us to know what's most important. Help us to know how to redeem the time, how to make the most of every opportunity. Let us experience your grace in all of it each day. Pour out your love on us, God. Reveal to us continually how much you love us and care for us. We love you. We trust you. We come to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.